Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Wells Tech, everybody. This is episode 701, recorded on February 24th, 2023. My name is Martin Spriggs, and this is a show about technology and ministry. And joining me as usual from North Mankato, Minnesota, (laughs) Sally Draper. Hello, Sally. Hi, Martin. Side of the latest blizzard. Happy place here. It's very wide outside. (laughs) Do you guys have a blizzard as well? uh, I I don't know if they called it a blizzard, but it was kind of nasty. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There was some slippery conditions going on and school was called off for a day, um, Mm. uh, two two weeks in a row. So we've had, uh, Debbie has had... uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if I ever call them days off for teachers, but uh, no, uh, day away from the students for uh, for two consecutive weeks here. So, hmm. okay, so I have a quiz for you. There's something different about Sally Draper today. Sure, all our um, watchers will recognize this fact. Wondering if you see the difference, Martin. You got new glasses. I did. Uh-huh. I did. You're good. Um, I got cheap new glasses though. <laughs> I think they're cool, but the thing is. My glasses that I have, my regular glasses, are trifocals. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to look at this computer screen through one little line of those glasses. And I gave up and bought some glasses that are 100% computer screen distance. I don't know if anybody else oh, has those problems. but you. I can see things and I don't have to crane my neck to do it. Okay. <laughs> so are you going to keep the other pair as well? I mean, oh, yeah. I can't see duty. far away okay. at all. It's kind of like that you know, that portrait thing where you're focused on one thing and everything else around is blurry. That's what my world looks like around me. But mm-hmm. my computer screen looks nice and clear. So I'm a happy girl. I've got new glasses coming as well. So I'll have oh, to test that you right? in, then as okay. well. Okay. <laughs> I'll be that paying I, attention. That's right. Um, that's always kind of a, I think it's a, as you get older and those of us that are older recognize <laughs> that, boy, it takes a longer and longer time at the, at the optometrist's office to, <laughs> to tweak things right. And there's always compromises. So this mm-hmm. is one that you decided to make. And I that makes sense for the amount of time that you sit in front of a computer screen too. They look yeah. nice. I can't quite tell on the camera, but they have a little bit of a purplish. Yeah. Um, They're colorful. <laughs> okay. Nice. So yeah, you've, you've earned it. So nice. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah. All right. So now you can read all those tough names and um, we've. We oh, it doesn't help me time. at all with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still struggle. All right. Um, we are going to, uh, we actually had the pleasure of uh, interviewing one of our coworkers this past week. And uh, we decided to dedicate a show to e news or e newsletters. One thing that, kind of led us down that path was why I had just, I'm still teaching a course on uh, enhancing ministry with technology. And that we really have, we had a whole unit or whole um, week focused on e-newsletters because it's still one of maybe the primary ways to deliver content 
in a congregation or school. I can't think of very many congregations who don't use some kind of um, e-newsletter to get the word out to, to their folks. And so worthy topic, there's obviously technology decisions uh, that can be made and all kinds of other stuff. So we we wanted to interview Amanda Klemp, who has been uh, with the Synod for a long time now, and she is kind of dedicated to uh, the, the delivery of content through e-newsletters. She works with different areas of ministry. Well, we'll let her talk a little bit more about that. And then Sally and I will come back and talk about our thoughts on, on e-newsletters as well. So let's have a listen to that Amanda Klemp interview. We are happy to welcome to Wells Tech today, Amanda Klemp. Amanda's our co-worker um, at the Center for Mission and Ministry. She is an editorial product project manager for our communication services office. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me. And I think you should add to your title, e-news guru, because that's why we have you today. <laughs> you know, Excited edit- to talk about it. Editorial projects manager kind of just captures, you know, any content that leaves the Synod building, no matter what vehicle. <laughs> A lot of times I have my hands on it in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And we are so thankful right. for that, because I'm going to tell you, techies are usually number people, not <laughs> content oriented. So yeah. we would love it if you'd spend just a few minutes and introduce yourself to our audience. Just tell us a little bit about who Amanda is. Sure. Um, I have been working for the city now. It'll be 12 years this year, which I cannot believe. <laughs> um, <laughs> time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started about 12 years ago. And at that point, a lot of my focus was website driven, like web content. But, you know, even in the last decade, that whole world has evolved. So now I do a lot of more just general communications. If someone in the city needs to say it or share it, I'm there to support that. Um, I have been working remotely for about six and a half years now. Um, we moved to Iowa. Uh, about six and a half years ago for my husband's job. So it's been working okay to be remote. Um, we're in Eastern Iowa, so it's actually not too far away from the CMM. Mm-hmm. We're members at uh, St. Peter's, Savannah, Illinois. So we actually cross the river mm-hmm. every <laughs> every Sunday for church. It's a little tiny rural congregation, but the bald eagles are migrating and it is Oh. It's not uncommon to see 20 to 40 bald eagles as we cross that river. Wow. Wow. Nice. Yeah. It's really <laughs> it's really neat. Um mm-hmm. lifelong wells member and happy to put my communications degree to <laughs> to use uh excellent. Helping people learn about what wells does for ministry. Um prior to this I spent about 6 years in publishing, doing editorial and magazine publishing. So and my great experience. <laughs> Amanda, Very give us good. a little bit of uh, behind the scenes, so to speak. I'll pull the curtain back a little bit on Wells Communications, especially the e-news part. Maybe best way to do that is to give us a little bit of, a, you know, what's a day in the life of Amanda Clemp? Uh, a lot of proofing, Martin. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. A lot of proofing. Um, so we have... I. I think we have about 
10 newsletters that go out on wow. a regular basis, I think. And that's not counting the devotions. Mm-hmm. So that is, um, we have our like official synod newsletter that's together. Wells.net slash subscribe. Please subscribe to together. <laughs> um, so that kind of encompasses all the big stuff, big synod stuff. Then a lot of our areas of ministry have their own individual newsletters that will, thank you, Sally, <laughs> that will talk more specifically about um, the, the ministry work from their particular area and hit their audience in the way that they need to for that. Um, so like uh, the Commission on Lutheran Schools sends out a weekly newsletter to um, teachers and principals and like school administrators. And that's a lot of um, reminders about resources, um, updates to do like your stats, you know, like there's the taste of mission. So that's something teachers might be interested in. And there's a school challenge tied into that. So that's just a lot of little snippets that are reminders, updates, and information for our educators. Um, Special Ministries does one called His Hand that goes out twice a month. Now, Special Ministries encompasses so many different areas. So we changed that model, I want to say about a year ago. Instead of doing like a twice a year newsletter, we do a twice a month story so that more regularly the ministries can be put in front of their audience. And their audience are people who use the ministries or who support the ministries. Um, There's the missions blog that goes out once a week. And that's usually a really interesting story from the mission field. So it's like one missionary writing, you know, about something that happened in their mission field. Um, And that goes to people who are interested in Wells Missions. Um, we do the ministry connection and it used to be called the e-bulletin board, but we changed the model a little bit. Uh, that goes out monthly. That tends to get targeted towards pastors and like leadership because it includes resources to either promote Wells Ministries to your members or resources to use with your members, whether it's a new Bible study or like the annual report is out. So can here's a graphic to advertise the Wells annual report. I don't know how many congregations do that, but <laughs> it's available. We hope they do. Um, I mean, and then I think I spoke about together, which is kind of our flagship. And that's always leads with an article written by President Schrader. And then includes, um, you know, synod news from any area that we think members would want to know about. Sure. So there's just always stuff flying. Then there's a lot. What kind of numbers are you talking about with some of these, Amanda? Um, So that is an interesting question, Martin, (laughs) because it has changed drastically recently as um, spam laws and GDPR has Mm -hmm gotten a little tighter. So right now together is at about a little over 6,500 subscribers okay. that used to be closer to 10. Numbers don't mean anything if nobody's reading them. So all it's right. doing is weeding out the people who don't open the email. Mm-hmm. 
which makes the percentages look better. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, some of the smaller ones, like his hands is um, just over 900. Uh, the missions blog is almost 3000. You know, together is definitely the most. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so quite yeah. a few, quite a few eyeballs and you get that, you get a sense for that based on the analytics that the tools that, that we use provide, right? Yeah. So according to MailPoet, and now this is going to include all of our devotion subscribers too, mm-hmm. but we have roughly 18,000 individual subscribers to some um, e-publication that we do. Okay. That's not counting the daily devotion, which is, I know, super popular. It might be close to nine or 10,000 now, but that's a different platform. So that's not included in that number. Okay. So we got room to grow too. Oh, I used to joke that if I could get 10,000 together subscribers, I could be done with my job. And then all these laws started taking place and the numbers dropped. Did did (laughs) we mention wells.net slash subscribe? (laughs) Help me out. So um, you alluded to this a little bit about helping your percentages and things. I think one thing people want is they want that high subscriber number. But if they subscribe and they never open the emails, they see them and hit delete every time or send them to a folder for someday maybe, um, that doesn't help you a whole lot. You really want them to open up. You want them to click those links and go deeper into your website, things like that. So what would you consider a really great rate for opening and clicking and things like that. Yeah. One of the nice things about MailPoet is it gives you that ranking. So I am just stealing that from them. Awesome. Um, Opening and clicks are two different things. So open could be someone actively like double clicking on their email. So it pops up a window or some email clients will automatically consider it an open if it displays in the preview box. Either way, it means that for some amount of time, an eyeball was on it. Mm -hmm. So that's what an open is. If you can get 30% to open, that's excellent. That's considered excellent in the male poet world. Mm -hmm. 10 to 30 is good. And less than 10% would be like critical. Like maybe, maybe it's time to change what you're doing. Um, when I first started out sending e-newsletters, and this was in a previous life before the Synod, the number was 10. Like if you could get 10%, like that was pretty good. And I think people have got more sophisticated in their marketing and the tools and all that and more targeted audiences. You know, there's, there's a lot more targeting and subscription based model stuff. Mm-hmm. To prevent spam. So yeah, if you send to a hundred people and 35 open it, like that's a good day. You know, if I'm thinking of like a congregation or something. Now clicking is different because clicking is actual engagement. It's mm-hmm. not just skimming and deleting. I mean, how many emails do you skim and delete a day? <laughs> <laughs> that's actual engagement. So if you can get more, you know, or more to actually click and engage with your email, that's considered excellent. Interesting. Yeah. Hopefully that just made a lot of people listening really happy because most people looking at a number like 3% would think, man, I really don't think this is working for us. Right. And I think those numbers can be so discouraging because obviously we all think that the information we have to share is so important. 
and we think we're hitting the right people. But in reality, when you think about how many emails you get, whether they're from work or marketing emails or just other interests that you have that shoot emails into your box <laughs> constantly, <laughs> you're not Restaurants. necessarily <laughs> necessarily like engaging with every single one of them. It mm-hmm. makes subject line important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes that if you do have stuff that you really need your readers to see that um, it's like the old journalism, right? The pyramid. You really need the most important stuff at top. So people don't miss the service time or the concert time or <laughs> whatever sure. it is you need. need Great, them tip. To know. Great tip. Um, I just recently participated in a discussion around how much content to include in e-newsletters. And even as I was showing those on the screen um, as examples from missions and from Lutheran schools, there was kind of a contrast there. Some people want to put like, the full message in the e-newsletter. So it becomes pretty long. Some people give you one and a half sentences and a button to click to go read it on their website. Which one is right? Either or, both and? Either or. I think it depends on what you're doing. So a news, it shouldn't be, and there's no scientific way to describe this. It shouldn't be so long that people are scrolling, 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 scrolling to get through. And that is an argument for the read mores, the previews and the read mores. So how many different pieces of information are you trying to share in this newsletter? For, I'm going to use the missions blog and the his hands blog now kind of model we're doing as an example. The mission of those two e-newsletters is to get a story one story, one highlight in front of people. So we want them to read that story. We include the full post. And then usually at the bottom, there's a couple other little like, hey, you should also know this type of things. Um, Together, we do the read more because we often have multiple stories. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Together is another good example. Like, I want people to visit wells.net. Right. I want them to, to click on a story, visit the website, look around, find out what we're doing, maybe, you know, find something that edifies their faith that day. Um, so then I, in that case, I want to drive people to the website. So both can be right and both can be wrong, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what message you're sharing and what your end purpose is. Interesting. Very good answer. So the content's one thing. What about the the tools today? Let us send these out whenever we want. So you can schedule mm-hmm. them. Um, any tips uh, or any rules of thumb that you use for when to send these things out? Days of the week, you know, a week of the month, uh, time of day, any of that stuff? <sighs> Over my years doing this, I've, you know, Googled like best time to send out emails mm-hmm. and- What time of the day do most of your emails come from your restaurants, your retailers that you've shopped from, right? Probably in the morning. Yeah. I was going to say it should be kind of a trick question. Yeah. Like I get mine throughout all the whole day. Yeah, that's true too. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think if there was a magic time, every email we receive would become in that half hour block. I don't think anybody knows. I think a lot of people guess, but I don't think anybody really knows. I also think 
um, this is an opinion again, not, I think it's changed with mobile. I think mm, there might've been point. more validity to a particular time of day when people had to actively sit down at their computer and open up an email, mm-hmm. but more than 50%, you know, have their phone on them a hundred percent of the time, get the notification and we'll look. Mm-hmm. So I, I access to the information is, you know, all your waking hours. True. Good point. I, I'm just kind of analyzing myself as you, you know, you dive deep into my brain with these challenging thoughts. And oftentimes I'll look at a preview of the email, a little glimpse at it quickly on my phone. And most of the time it doesn't engage me or make me stop in my tracks to really dive deep or whatever, I'll think either I'm going to delete this or I'm going to come back to it. And then my inbox becomes kind of a holding place, which is not a great idea either. But, um, you know, how deep we go might just be how busy we are in that moment and whether we have time to get back to it when we sit down, you know, right. for more contemplative stuff. So interesting. And how much you, you know, that day you care about it. Or if I already ate and the restaurant is just too late. <laughs> you know, I get, um, I'm going to pick on Oshkosh Bagash. I have kids. <laughs> I've ordered clothes from Oshkosh Bagash. And I get a stupid amount of emails from them. And most of the time it's just swipe and delete, swipe and mm-hmm. delete. But you know what? Sometimes it's like 60% off sale. And I'm like, you know what? I think they need some new shirts. <laughs> and then it's like, depends on what you need that day, right? Mm-hmm. And you hate to unsubscribe for those moments. Like because I'm willing to delete I because I know eventually it's going to kids to dress. I need the sale. Right? Exactly. <laughs> There's probably a delicate balance on the number of times you can hit somebody's inbox too. So you have to True. be sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Between you know, like being relevant and being a nuisance, mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of, there, there's a line there and right. it, I, I wish there was a magic number to tell mm-hmm. people, but again, it really depends on what you're doing. You know, you and know what, what we do as a ministry is different than what we're not mark, you know, right. we're not marketing right. a product. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to get you to eat at our restaurant or but maybe the combination of these things I'm thinking of our listeners out there, they're probably their brains are their wheels are turning and maybe they remember a time when they got plus 3% open rate or <laughs> click rate, I should say, and, and open rates that were 30% or higher. And, you know, just beginning to pay a little bit of attention to that might allow them to tweak some of these things as well. Mm-hmm. What about um, design rules in general, Amanda, you mentioned mobile, lots of people consuming there. Um, I have one e-newsletter and I love it. And I've been subscribed to it for many, many, many years. It's a daily prayer. And for mobile, it's about an inch wide on my screen. Like they have really fat margins <laughs> and mobile, it gives me like three words per line. And I have to read this really long scroll on mobile. So I know there's mistakes that can be made. Yeah, mobile. I Tried to, well, okay. So we were able to find, we, my uh, poker Sarah, helped me look up some stats. We believe that about 55% of our Wells users access their emails from us on a mobile or tablet, mobile device or tablet. I tried to do just like general research and, you know, and I'd find one website that had some numbers and nerds. So I wanted to corroborate those numbers. 
And <laughs> it was hard to find exact, but I think it's really safe to say that you have to assume over 50% of your audience is accessing your email on a phone. And the younger you get, it, that's going to exponentially go up. Mm. Outside of work hours, I personally, I never look at an actual computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so those many of those people aren't even using email or checking email. They're on other platforms that they're consuming their content, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, those kinds of things mm-hmm. too. Um, so design, yes, mobile friendly, all the main tools, you know, major tools have mobile friendly options. That's not actually really my area, but I feel pretty confident your Julie Duran usually sets that stuff up, but I feel pretty confident saying that. Um, one other, uh, readable font, as I wanted to mention. So you have, you know, black or dark gray nothing weird um just an easy to read large enough or responsive font yeah um and then the other thing that bears mentioning is not every image you find on google is yours to use (laughs) so it is very important that whatever image you use you make sure you have the rights to use um we do run into that sometimes where, you know, it's so easy to screenshot an image off of a Google image search or something, but that's not necessarily legal. So mm-hmm. I have seen images with like watermarks on them. <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> not cool. And yeah. I think, again, this isn't totally my department, but I think there are sites like stack image sites out there that you know, cater to um, more religious-based things and are either free or pretty low cost. Actual creation, creation swap your... comes to mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, actual pictures of your people, your organization, your activities. And that's really where it's at. If you're mm-hmm. able to, to have those. Excellent. Any other closing tips for us or ideas for e-newsletters? Um, Ideas for e-newsletters. <laughs> How long do you have, Sally? <laughs> I think because the, the content of it is kind of my world. So, you know, you can have, whether it's a newsletter, that's what we're talking about today, but, you know, website, social media account, whatever it is, newsletters for the sake of today's conversation. Having and sending a newsletter is not the same as sharing helpful and useful information. So having the tool is one thing, and there's a lot of good tools out there, but making sure that you know who you're hitting and what you need them to know is super important. Um, You know, is your audience, you know, if it's parents from a school, they need to know school activities and classroom happenings and stuff. If it's a congregation, they need to know when the Bible classes are, when the next fellowship hour is, who the ushers are. Um, There's there's important information you need to share with your audience. So you got to know what that is. Mm -hmm. And if you can engage them with that important information, they're more likely to see it. 
And Amanda, I think just reading the content of your newsletters, it seems like the gold standard is kind of tell a story, tell an interesting story, Mm -hmm. right? That seems to be a majority of, of what we read and that's great. Right. And sometimes, you know, you have to, you know, hopefully get the attention with this story. Mm -hmm. Um, We just had the leadership conference and that's a good example. So, you know, all the togethers and ministry connections and lots of our communication tools, um, shared information about the upcoming leadership conference before that happened. I don't know how many of our subscribers would have opened an email just for that information, but we were able to get it in front of people because we had other stories they were interested in reading. Mm-hmm. Good point. It was Good a point. really wonderful event. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. And uh, I'll just thank you on behalf of all of our listeners, because I know um, this has got the wheels turning, like I said earlier. So good information. We appreciate your work very much and blessings on the continuation of that work. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Amanda. Have a good day. Thank you, Amanda, for taking the time with us. Uh, She... uh, the the work that she does uh, with the areas of ministry, I, I know they all find super invaluable because um, they they're thirsty to get this information out, and she does such a great job at at uh, kind of making sense of all that and and delivering that. Yeah, I don't know about you, Martin, but I'm a huge fan of wells.net slash subscribe. I get a whole mm-hmm. bunch of those e-newsletters in my personal box um, at home, and I always enjoy the stories. Like she said, I think that they're very engaging and they Mm -hmm. make me feel more a part of the ministry that's happening out there. So I love it when uh, the newsletters come with the different stories and things. I Mm -hmm. think, I think they're onto something good there. Yeah. You can tell that there's a person behind these because there's some cohesion, some sameness, some, some comfortableness, you know, when you, when you open one, you know, uh, that it's Mm -hmm. from a, a Wells organization and, um, the mission, the the mission is the same, you know, throughout all of them, sharing the gospel, you know, regardless of the area of ministry. And and Amanda does a nice job at uh, making all that make sense for us. And we've got some great tools. I know it's a kind of a constant um, challenge to stay up with you know, the the evolving challenges around e news with uh, spam filters and those kinds of things that uh, get in the way uh, between us and getting the news out. But, and I'm sure congregations and schools fight, fight the same, fight the same battles, but uh, the, the tools there and the cost is, is um, actually um, not a barrier really for most of our circumstances. Most of our churches and schools can do most of this for free. Yeah, very exciting. Um, A couple of follow-up links from uh, Amanda's interview. We wanted to link to this uh, blog post. I think you actually found this, Martin. Marketer Milk, 10 Best Newsletter Platforms for Content Creators in 2023. So Mm -hmm. big ones kind of come to top of mind for me. You're like MailChimp and Constant Contact, but there are options out there. And uh, this kind of dives into different things about them and, you know, covers all those 
those big names that are out there. So mm -hmm. check out this article if you're just getting started. If you already have an e-newsletter, we'd love it if you um, maybe shared a link or a copy with us so we could see a variety of them that are out yeah, maybe there. Maybe we could feature a, a set of these. Um, yeah, in a that's a great show. idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amanda also made mention that um, imagery is important. And we did want to just point you to a couple of different sites that we're aware of where you can get stock photography. Um, top of the list, always, uh, we want to mention LutheranStockPhotos.com, uh, put together by a friend of Wells Tech, Philip Wells. Mm -hmm. And uh, it actually has all of the Wells Tech Photo Challenge images uh, integrated into this library, as well as many other uh, great images that you can find. So you can uh, do easy searches and find all kinds of great content here. Lutheran Stock Photos, completely free. Um, there is another site, Creation Swap, that's dedicated to um, Christian graphics, um, not just photography, but motion graphics and um, video um, PowerPoint-sized things, that kind of thing. Um, and it does say free, um, but they do have kind of a premium model or uh, freemium model or whatever, yeah. um, where some things are are. Um, a cost. So you'll have to check it out and dig through and see what you think. Um, three that are worth mentioning that are free, um, just traditional secular stock photography sites, uh, pixabay.com, pexels.com, and um, unsplash.com. So those are my go-to sites when I'm just looking for something kind of generic, like beautiful green mountain scenes or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. So mm -hmm. check those Excellent. out. Yep. Very good. Thanks again, Amanda, for taking some time with us and for the work that you do. Mm -hmm. Sally, let's move on to ministry resources. And I put through a couple in here that are just kind of specific to e-newsletters. Uh, there's a great article from Outreach uh, Outreach Magazine, I guess they still call themselves a magazine. These guys have been around for a long time. Why You Need a Church Email Marketing Strategy. Um, they list five reasons. First of all, it's easy you know, and inexpensive. That's one. Uh, controllable, so you have control over the message. Uh, you're dealing with a uh, a resource, basically your email addresses that you have control over, especially within your own church or school. These tools give you some measurability, basically, meaning you can track how well you're doing, how many are opened, what links were clicked on. And it's easy to segment your mailings as well. And then they give some helpful strategies, establishing a purpose, uh, automating uh, what you're doing so it doesn't have to be something that you have to babysit, um, building your list, how you can do that, how you segment your list. There's a section, of course, on um, content, how to write good content, and finally, the importance of testing. So make <laughs> sure that... Uh, you know what your folks are getting and that there's a quality product. So just thought it was a good reminder. It's not a long article, but just a, a good outline if you're kind of building your e-newsletter strategy to, to kind of start with the basics. <clears throat> and then good. I also put a link to um, a YouTube video. This is by a teacher. Uh, it's called Awesome Classroom Newsletters with MailChimp. And uh, this is something I shared with my MLC students um, to uh, kind of get them started if they needed a starting place. Most of them kind of were familiar with e-newsletters, but here is a good kind of a step-by-step. -step. If you are in the um, in the market for a classroom newsletter platform, 
and want kind of a step-by-step as to how to set that up with a very easy to use tool, MailChimp. Uh, This is a quick video by a teacher for teachers. So I thought that was a great ministry resource. Very good. Yeah, definitely uh, share your e-newsletters with us. We'd love to see them and and learn from them as well. So Mm -hmm. good. Sally, I think it's time to go to our picks of the week. And my pick of the week kind of stems off of a a webinar I attended recently. I think we talked about this webinar in the last episode of Wells Tech. Um, It was one put on by a new group called Blueprint Schools. New name, but we are familiar with Blueprint Schools because we had Dana Kirkhoff on the show um, in the past. And this is actually um, a company under Dana's umbrella where uh, different consultant type people are coming together with uh, school marketing type Um, information and just school support, I guess would be a good way to say it. Um, And recently they published a blog post, Chat GPT, How Should Faith-Based Schools Respond? Now, two weeks ago when we recorded, Martin, maybe not many people had heard of Chat GPT. I bet in this time period you have, because um, even in the webinar, he shared how many, um, how quickly they got to a million users or something like that. Just um, unprecedented, the number of people that are going out and um, figuring out what chat GPT is. Um, so great blog post here. We'll link to that in the show, but then there was a follow-up webinar um, and I was able to sit in on that. I think there were about 50 people there and definitely some names I recognized um, in the group. And one of the things that came out of that was um, Ryan Kirkhoff, Dana's husband, who was um, behind this discussion. He's actually a teacher at Fox Valley and has a lot of um, English teaching experience under his belt. And he um, talked about how oftentimes you want to look at um, plagiarism type sites. So you can copy someone's essay into a site and it can tell you if there's any plagiarism in it. But that doesn't necessarily work with the things generated by the artificial intelligence like chat GPT. So his recommendation um, for testing that type of thing was a site called GPT Zero gpt0.me or me. Um, And basically you can paste in anything and it will give you feedback on whether um, it feels like some of it or all of it was generated by artificial intelligence. And what Ryan really recommended it for was the fact that they give you like some scoring. There's actually some algorithms and things behind this. And he explained that a little bit in the webinar. I think um, they're going to be publishing that webinar. So if you didn't get a chance to attend, you would be able to watch that. Um, But yeah, there's some algorithms and things behind how they do this and um, how it looks for certain syntax or whatever that the AI-generated stuff has. So um, interesting tool and something I'm guessing a lot of people are are trying to figure out. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd get that on everybody's radar, gpt0.me. And yeah, should check out for artificial intelligence stuff. Yeah, great resource, free to use, and looks like super simple to use. There's almost nothing on the page. You just plug in the content, mm-hmm. you press a button, and you get results. So mm-hmm. nice, nice. Yeah, and I would. I have not had a chance. You sent me the link to that, and I was I couldn't attend the webinar in person, but uh, it is available to to people I- who want to view it. Yeah, I think they're going to be releasing it, and so oh, okay. um, I, I believe they said maybe this week or or early awesome. next week. Okay. So it so should we'll be out there soon. Pass that along when we can. Mm-hmm. All right. My pick or more a tip of the week is actually 
something that is now available for, sorry, PC users, Mac users only. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an iPhone, uh, a late model iPhone, I think anything past the XR slash 11, iPhone 11 model. So that's the last three years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Mac that is running the latest operating system, Ventura, you can take advantage of something called the iPhone continuity camera. Basically, it allows you to use your iPhone's camera as a webcam. Those of you that are watching the show today, I'm using that right now. So my iPhone huh. is propped above my monitor on a little stand, and and it can connect to your laptop either via Wi-Fi or cable. So that's kind of cool. You select it like any other camera. So we're using Zoom to record this, and Zoom sees that I have this iPhone camera that it that it can use as long as as well as the built-in webcam, which is kind of lousy on Macs. It's only 720p and it's you know pretty low you know, low resolution. Uh, but it brings it up, and what it does is it allows you to use kind of all the neat features that are available with an iPhone camera. So there there are a number of things that you can set, including studio lighting, portrait lighting, that center stage feature. Some of you have maybe seen that where if you're moving in the frame, it'll follow you. You can turn all of those on or off. Another feature is something called desk view. So if you've got your iPhone camera mounted above your monitor, it'll actually show what's on your desk. So if you want (laughs) to demonstrate something, so I can imagine art teachers or other people trying to demonstrate stuff, you can use this for for that purpose as well. So that that's kind of cool. You can also leverage the microphone that's in your iPhone, uh, which includes a, a couple of different modes, voice isolation or wide spectrum, they call it. So it captures everything around, including music and background noise. You can pause it, turn it on and off. You can answer phone calls, which pauses the video and then comes back when you're when you're done answering the phone. So just something that comes free for the ride. You don't have to pay for this if you've got the the appropriate equipment. And I have really found, and maybe if you're looking at the, our video today, maybe notice I'm a little sharper than normal because um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, the, uh, the, the iPhone camera is a much better experience than most webcams. Uh, and I had a pretty decent webcam that I was using before, a Logitech 920, which is kind of the webcam standard, uh, mm-hmm. but the iPhone camera kind of puts that to shame. So it does nice lighting. Um, I think it's a crystal clear, clear image. And I've never had, I've been using this for a couple of weeks now and uh, really had no failures with it at all. It always comes up and it's always clean and crisp and very reliable. So that's my tip of the week. That's pretty cool. I have to say, for those that aren't watching the video, I was imagining mounting the iPhone facing me and having to walk around to the back of the monitor and touch the screen to make all this magic happen. But the Mac just brings up the right menus and things because it knows it's an iPhone. So it's pretty cool. Very nicely integrated. Apple (laughs) did a nice job with this one. So imagine that. All right. Um, Community news and feedback, we don't have anything specific to share other than an encouragement that if you want to share something with the show, 
we would love for you to take advantage of, of this segment of the show. You can send it to us via email. So if you've got a comment, an idea, some feedback on a topic, let's say e-newsletters, um, you can just email the show, wellstech at wells.net. You can go to our beautiful show notes page, which Sally maintains, wellstech.wells.net. We've got all of our 701 episodes there. You can uh, go back and search uh, on different topics or leave a comment on a particular show because we we get those. We get notified that there's a comment made, so you can do it that way. Um, you can see all of our previous picks, all that stuff. But then across the top in the upper right, there's all kinds of links to different ways that you can connect with us, whether that be social media or our Google group or Digo group, um, just lots of different um flavors of connections that you can make with us. And we would love that you would do that if that, if you are so inclined. Last but not least, there's a little blue button on the right side of the screen that says send voicemail. So if you want to share a voicemail with us, that would be awesome as well. So that's our community news and feedback section. That's what it's there for us to take advantage. Yeah. Sally, we are going to do this again in a couple of weeks, and uh, we decided to uh, pick a topic that's actually very hot right now in productive productivity circles, and that is time blocking, how to use your calendar to get stuff done, um, and uh, figuring out uh, its usefulness, not just for scheduling meetings, but for scheduling tasks. So you're going to want to tune in next time for that. And I'm looking forward to that conversation. Yeah, definitely. I even am eager to learn about green poofs and that's your teaser. It's folks. A little teaser. To, yeah. If you want to know about green poofs about um, coming up, so <laughs> we cover it all here on Wells Tech. Thanks Sally for your time today and your work uh, both in the thank podcast you. and for our Senate. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners. We uh, pray that you have a blessed Lenten journey, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.